0: Jesus saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and he followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. While he was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house, and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion he said go away for the girl is not dead but sleeping and they laughed at him but when the crowd had been put outside he went in and took her by the hand and the girl got up and the report of this spread throughout that district the gospel of the lord
1: Jesus said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This passage in Matthew is a passage that should give us all comfort. Now, I know there's a lot going on in this story. Uh, There's a lot of things happening but it should all give us comfort because no matter the situation, no matter the issue, no matter the person, Jesus is available. Now Matthew is a tax collector who works for the oppressive Roman Empire who probably skims off the top from his own people because that's what the tax collectors did often. They would skim a lot off the top, you know, and uh, so they weren't, they weren't beloved uh, of the people. Jesus also does something very unusual. He does a couple of things on, uh, that are very unusual. He touches two women. Now, back in the day, you can't, and you shouldn't do it now either, but you can't just touch women, right? and unless they're your wives or or whatever, uh, it was a very, um, it was a taboo. And not only are you not supposed to touch other women, but these were unclean women. First of all, one is presumed dead, which was completely uh, taboo. You do not even go near a dead person. The other woman is bleeding. You do not go near a bleeding person, let alone a woman. And Jesus goes right to these two women who were, um, uh, how should I say, ostracized at that time. Jesus actually seeks out spiritual and physical healing as he's wandering from village to village. And it didn't matter to Jesus who it was. The work that he did was shocking for the day, but it was also shocking for this leader of the synagogue to actually run to Jesus for help, especially after Jesus was just made unclean for touching the hemorrhaging woman. But his daughter had just died, and he didn't care what people thought or if he was going to make himself unclean in the minds of others by touching Jesus, by, by seeking the help from Jesus, he went to Jesus anyway. Probably right in front of the Pharisees who are not in Jesus' camp. He went right to Jesus because he needed him. It didn't matter. Because we would all do whatever we had to do to save our children. We would do whatever we had to do for someone we loved, to keep them from from harm, from demise. Even if it is frowned upon, or even if people think we're crazy, or if people would later shun us for being unclean ourselves, we would do whatever we had to do. You know, I've been thinking, why is compassion and mercy so hard for humanity that we have to go to extraordinary lengths to get a little. Jesus tells the Pharisees, he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Now, Jesus is quoting the prophet Hosea here, who who had been reminding the people centuries before that God didn't care about perfect sacrifices, but desired mercy. Now, in looking at the word mercy, specifically the way it is used here in the original Greek It's describing a mercy between human beings, from person to person, not from divinity to humanity, but from person to person. And that's what Jesus is saying. That the the word for mercy is a mercy from person to person. Now there is a lot of, of course, the mercy about the mercy of God towards humanity, but this is between human beings. Jesus is showing us the human quality of one human being toward another human being, while also showing us the way of God's mercy at the same time. God does desire mercy from us towards each other, and that is the point. See, back in the day, there were the, which is hard for us to believe, but there were animal sacrifices that the people were doing at the time. And so what the prophet Hosea is saying, and what Jesus is saying is like, we don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. Especially I want to point out the practice of, of where we get the word scapegoat. Now very often uh, the head priest would lay his hands on a goat and the sins of the people would be transferred to that animal and then they would shoe the animal to go out into the wilderness, and then, you know, the idea was that all the sins of the people would be, would be gone after that action. But presumably, this poor goat would probably get eaten alive by wolves. It wasn't a very nice thing to do. But that is where we get the word scapegoat. That's where we get the word scapegoat. So, I ask you today, when we think of the word scapegoat, We think of people blaming other people for the wrongs in the world, right? And a lot of times, scapegoats are the most vulnerable of people. Let's blame them. Let's put all our animosity on them so that we don't have to deal with stuff in our own lives. But it's so easy to blame these other people. God desires mercy and not sacrifice, according to the prophet Hosea. And yet Jesus was sacrificed on the cross. You see, God gave everyone a chance to be merciful because we all have a choice to not go along with what is wrong. We have a choice to say, no, that's not right. Humanity had the chance to be merciful at the persecution and crucifixion of Jesus, and humanity failed, because those in power failed. Being right was more important than doing right. And when we'd rather be right instead of doing right, injustice often prevails or creeps into the system. But God, God fixed it, God fixed it all, and set a new plan in motion with the resurrection, giving us a second chance not to fail in our opportunities to be compassionate and merciful. We are always to look at ourselves and to be careful. Who are we scapegoating? Are we claiming righteousness over others? Are we seeing ourselves as the righteous ones and those people over there who are different are we saying, oh, well, they're unclean, therefore we can make them scapegoats and send them off into the wilderness? Do we do this for power? Do we do this for fame or worse, to feel powerful over others or, or just for fun? That's even worse. But much of our divisiveness in society is about scapegoats and finding those who are weaker in order to pull all, put all our fears and blame onto them. But that's not Christian. Because Jesus the Christ went straight towards those who were ostracized from society and healed them. Scapegoating people or issues in order to rally support is the easy way, because that ginning up fear is easy. But Jesus shows us the harder way, because Jesus shows us the healing way. The healing way is the way of courage and trust, compassion and mercy. The healing way is being present for those in need. So Jesus calls the outsider like Matthew he calls Matthew the tax collector he says come and follow me and Matthew follows he sits and he sits and he eats with those who are sinners he touches those deemed unclean or who are those who are on the fringe because mercy compassion and mercy resurrects new life and that is the healing way And healing can simply come for some of us with the knowledge that we're not alone when somebody sits with us, when somebody talks to us, when somebody listens to us, to let us know that we are not alone in our loneliness, our sickness, our trauma, our struggles, our despair. And like Jesus, when we're not afraid to touch the lives of those who need help. But here's the flip side. We are also to trust that when we need help like the leader in the synagogue who needed help for his daughter, that we don't have to be ashamed, embarrassed, or fearful to ask for help. Pride isn't going to do anything for us in the end. Asking Jesus for help is okay too. Asking others for help also gives others the opportunity to exercise mercy. So actually asking for help from another person, it's a gift for that other person so that they can respond by exercising compassion and mercy. Not a burden, not a chore, but a sacred responsibility. So again, why is mercy and compassion so hard? We all know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to care for others, especially the stranger. But do we? Do we invite people we don't know well to dinner parties? Do we have conditions on our generosity and our compassion? Who do we sit with? Who do we touch? Not just physically, but emotionally. Jesus brings the healing way to all, to those at the top, like the leader of the synagogue, to those on the very bottom of society, like the poor woman who had been ill for 12 years and couldn't find relief. Now, if you are fond of using images as a way to pray, or even if you don't even do that or think about doing that, I'm gonna ask you to think about doing this. I want you to imagine A crowded square, so a crowded town square, and there's a lot of people, a lot of hustle and bustle going around. And imagine Jesus in front of you, his back is towards you, making his way through the crowd. Bring to mind something that is weighing you down, something that you can't fix on your own. Gosh, you've tried. You've tried to fix it on your own. Not only that, you're not getting the compassion. You're not getting from other people what you need. And you can't quite reach him, but you know that if you could just get his attention, he would turn to you. Because you don't know where else to turn. You're desperate. You aren't sure, but you think enough about faith to do this that you reach out and you touch Jesus's cloak or his robe and then Jesus turns to you and looks you in the eye and he knows he knows you have been behind him this whole time and he was just waiting for you to reach out just just reach out Paul in Romans tells us of Abraham's journey, that he was told he would be the father of many nations, that his wife Sarah, who was beyond childbearing years, would bear a child, and all these seemingly impossible things, yet he was able to have faith and put his trust in God despite the ridiculousness of what God had promised him. Now, sometimes it seems scary to reach out and to have faith because we don't want to be disappointed. We have faith, but our diagnosis gets worse. Or someone we love whom we have prayed for with all the faith we can muster, they still suffer. Sometimes the healing, though, can be within ourselves. Sometimes our prayers for others actually do something for us. Sometimes our faith is not represented in winning lottery numbers, but is about something else entirely. We don't know. And that's the deal we've signed onto on this Christian journey, the journey that I call the healing way. So the gospel message today reassures us of Jesus's presence, but also challenges us because of his presence. We are to show mercy and have compassion and not be self-righteous to the point of exclusion because of our faith. Bottom line. And it's hard to do that, but that is the deal. And finally, Karen Armstrong, in her book The Twelve Steps to Compassion, says this, The attempt to become a compassionate human being is a lifelong project. It is not achieved in an hour or a day, or even in twelve steps. It is a struggle that will last until our dying hour. Nearly every day we fail, but we cannot give up. We must pick ourselves up and start again. She says that a truly compassionate person touches a chord in us that resonates with some of our deepest yearnings. People flock to such individuals because they seem to offer a haven of peace in a violent, angry world. This is the ideal to which we aspire, and it is not beyond our capacity. But even if we achieve only a fraction of this enlightenment and leave the world marginally better because we have lived in it, our lives will have been worthwhile. There's no more to be said. We know what we have to do. Amen.